0: I forgot to give you a Project 6K update. Let me do that real quick. The uh, books continue to be read. The reports continue to come in. And now we're up to 6,494 books of the Bible read year to date. Well beyond our 6K goal. Um, So obviously next year we're going to have to have a higher goal which is a great issue for us to have to deal with, is what are we going to challenge you with next year? So if you have any ideas, you know, 10K has a certain nice ring to it, right? That may be aggressive, but that may be where we go next year. So keep up the good work. Well, today we're concluding this latest sermon series. We've been talking about the new me. Throughout this series, we've been exploring how God has actually made it possible for us to be born again how he's made it possible for us to leave behind our old selves and be transformed into new creatures, new creation that have the same mind, that have the same attitude, into new creatures that actually reflect, that are the very image of Jesus Christ. And as we've been going through this series, we've been working at engraving upon our hearts this promise that God has made of new life through Jesus Christ. So each week we've been rehearsing together three short scriptures. These are scriptures that remind us of what God has made possible for us. We've been reading these scriptures and we've been listening to these scriptures and we've been repeating these scriptures. What we're doing is we're working to move these scriptures from the written word that's always available at our fingertips... To so words that are engraved on our hearts so they're always available on our lips. One of the scriptures that we've been rehearsing every week is from Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 where Paul writes, We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We were buried with him in baptism so that we may live a new life. Repeat that with me if you would. We were buried with him in baptism so that we may live a new life. We've also been rehearsing Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. I no longer live but Christ lives in me in me say that with me I no longer live but Christ lives in me and finally we've been rehearsing second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 Paul writes if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation the old has gone the new has come We were buried with him in baptism so that we may live a new life. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Let's repeat that part. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. See, since we've been crucified with Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Since we are in Christ, we're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I love the sound of that. Don't you love the sound of that? The sound of new life living. The sound of being a new creature. A new creation that's living in Christ. Don't you love the sound of Christ living in us? See, we love the sound of that kind of life. But I know that we often struggle with living that kind of life. In fact, I know from numerous conversations that I've had with many of you over the last several weeks that we struggle with living that kind of life. And not only do we struggle with living that kind of life, we're not even sure what that kind of life looks like, what it looks like right here and right now. And I also know, also from numerous conversations I've had, that we especially struggle with the idea that our new lives in Jesus Christ are actually transforming us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Transforming us to be more like Jesus and look more like Jesus, to sound more like Jesus, to think more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives. We struggle with that. That struggle's understandable, isn't it? It's understandable because it isn't always obvious what it means to reflect Jesus Christ right here, right now. After all, Jesus lived in first century Galilee, and we live in 21st century Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's this wide cultural and geographic distance between our lives now and Jesus' life then. And that distance alone can make it difficult for us to translate what it means to look like Jesus Christ, to walk like Jesus Christ as his disciples right now. But I think even more daunting for us is trying to figure out how we can imitate Jesus the Christ. How do you go about imitating the very divine son of God? The one who healed the sick. The one who raised the dead. The one who calmed the storm. How do we reflect that? Right here and right now. And I think that we really struggle with even the idea, the very idea that we flawed. Broken, weak, all too human. The idea that we can in any way hope to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that if it was up to us, there is no way that we could be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. But it isn't up to us. Thank God it's not up to us. See, that kind of transformation is only possible through the power of our God. What is impossible for man is possible with God. So as we end this series, what I want to do is I want to reaffirm for all of us who are in Christ that being transformed into his image is not only possible. I want to reassure you that it's actually taking place. It's occurring right now in your life and in my life. Right here. Right now. And I also want to end this series by reassuring us that we can know what it it is like to look like Jesus Christ. We can know that with certainty. We can know what it looks like to reflect Jesus Christ right here and right now. We can actually... Look like Jesus. Because what is impossible for us is possible for God. Well, to help us understand how God has made that transformation possible, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In this passage, beginning with verse 7, Paul draws a comparison between the new covenant that was ushered in by Jesus Christ and the old covenant that was given to Abraham. And he draws this comparison by reminding us and reminding the people who were listening to him of what happened to Moses in the presence of God at Mount Sinai. Most of you will probably remember this vivid image that is given in Exodus chapter 34. It's this image of Moses who's been up on Mount Sinai in the presence of God. And when he comes off the mountain after being in the presence of God, his face was radiant. His face was glowing. His face reflected the very glory of God. It reflected the glory of God so much so that the people couldn't bring themselves to even look Moses in the face. So Moses began to cover his face. He began to wear a veil. He began to wear a veil so his radiant face wouldn't freak the people out having to look at it. So here in 2 Corinthians, Paul makes a rather startling claim. As he reminds us of Paul, of he reminds us of Moses with the reflected glory of God, Paul says that as glorious as all that was. As glorious as that covenant between God and his people Israel was, as glorious as the laws and commandments that that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, as glorious as all of that was, they're nothing. He says they have no glory at all in comparison to the glory that was ushered in by Jesus Christ. He says they have no glory at all when you compare it to the ministry of the Spirit. It has no glory at all in comparison to the ministry that brings righteousness. And that was brought by Jesus Christ. He says it has no glory at all in comparison to this glory that Jesus brought in that will never fade away. See, Jesus took the veil away. He took the veil away so that when we turn to Jesus, there's nothing that stands in the way, nothing that stands between us and God's glory. Nothing is covering God's glory because Jesus took the veil away. And because we've been given the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit lives in us, we're always in the Lord's presence. See, unlike Moses, we don't have to walk up the mountain to enter into God's presence. We're always in his presence because he's present in us. And that's why Paul is able to say this in verse 18. He says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, it's possible for us to look like Jesus right here and right now because of what God did for us through Jesus on the cross. He took the veil away. It's possible for us to look like Jesus right here and right now because of what God is doing for us right here and right now. And he's doing it through his spirit. He's transforming us right here and right now with ever-increasing glory through his spirit into Jesus' likeness. So I want to reassure us. I want to reassure all of us that if we are in Jesus Christ, we are being transformed into his likeness. We are being transformed right here and right now. But you're probably asking, well, how can we know that? How can we really know that transformation is taking place in our lives? I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a radiant face. In fact, no one has ever asked me to wear a veil because my face was so radiant. They've asked me to cover up my face for very obvious and different reasons, but not because I'm reflecting the glory of God in my face. So how do we know See, if we can't see in the mirror, how can we know that we are in Jesus? How can we know that Jesus is in us and we are in him? Unfortunately, John addressed that question and he gave us a very direct answer. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, John addresses the question, how can we know that we are in Jesus? He says, this is how we know we are in him. He said, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So how can we know if we are in Jesus? Well, if we are walking as Jesus did. It's really not a very complicated answer, is it? John says, you are in Jesus if you are walking as Jesus walked. Which, of course, brings us right back to those struggles that we started out talking about those struggles that we have because it isn't obvious to us always what it means to walk as Jesus did and do it right here and right now. After all, Jesus lived in the first century. He lived in Galilee, and we live in the 21st century in New Mexico. And we struggle because it isn't always obvious to us what it means to walk like the very Son of God who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who calmed the storm. So how can we walk like Jesus right here and right now? And I want to suggest that the answer to this question really isn't all that complicated either. The answer isn't easy, but it's not complicated. Because the Bible tells us exactly how we can walk like Jesus did and how we can do that right here and right now. Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, talks to us about how we can walk like Jesus did. And how we can do it right here and right now. Paul says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. How do we walk like Jesus right here and right now? Well, we do it by walking in love right here and right now. And walking in love is loving each other and doing it right here And right now. And loving each other in the same way that Christ loved us. See, it's giving ourselves up for our brothers and sisters. It's sacrificing ourselves for the good of each other and doing it right here and right now. It's serving each other and doing it right here and right now. And when John says that walking like Jesus right here and right now is walking in love, he's simply echoing what Jesus himself said. John himself recorded these words of Jesus in his gospel account. In John chapter 13, I'll start reading in verse 34. Jesus says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I need to take a little aside here and point out a typo in your outline if you're following along. I think sometimes my job is to provide comic relief for people by showing my incompetence, by leaving my bow in my truck, and also by putting in a typo that says, um, as I have loved you, so you must love on another. Um, That's a very different meaning, so please correct that in there and put the E so it is love one another, not on another. How do we walk like Jesus did? How do we do it right here and right now? What does Jesus say? Jesus says we do it by loving each other right here and right now. We walk like Jesus did by loving each other in the same way that Jesus did. And how did Jesus love? Well, the power of these words comes not only in the words themselves, but the power of these words also comes from the timing of these words. See, Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you right after he, the Messiah, the Master, the Son of God, right after he got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. There's power in those words. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Right before he, our master, our Messiah, the very son of God. Right before he walked into Jerusalem and was arrested and tried and placed on a cross because of his love for us to take away our sins. So when Jesus says love one another as I have loved you, he's talking about a deeply sacrificial love. How do we walk like Jesus did and do it right here and right now? Well, we do it by humbling ourselves like Jesus did. By humbling ourselves for the benefit of each other. We walk like Jesus did by willingly serving each other like Jesus did. We walk like Jesus by willingly sacrificing our needs, our rights, our desires for each other right here and right now. How do we walk right here and right now in the same way that Jesus did then? Well, we do it by having the same attitude, the same mind that Jesus had then, and we do it right here and right now. We do it by having the attitude that Paul talked about in his letter to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, he says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead he made himself nothing. Took on the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So how do we walk like Jesus did then and do it right here and right now? Well, we do it by adopting his attitude. See, Paul says if we want to walk like Jesus did, then there should be a strong family resemblance between us and Jesus. There should be a strong family resemblance between our attitude and the attitude that our brother Jesus has. So we walk like Jesus by having his love. When you think about it, how can we possibly withhold our love from each other when we've been extended such great love by our Lord? How can we not love others when Jesus extended us such great love that it ended on the cross in his death? So we walk like Jesus by extending his love to each other. And we walk like Jesus did. And we do it right here and right now by being obedient to Jesus. Just like Jesus was obedient to his father. You think about it. How can we possibly refuse to obey the one who obediently died on a cross and died for us? We walk like Jesus by being obedient like Jesus. And we walk like Jesus right here and right now by humbling ourselves like Jesus did. After all, how can we possibly choose arrogance when Jesus, our Lord and our Master, chose humility? And I want you to know that I believe that for most of us, Humility is really the key to walking like Jesus right here and right now. I'm convinced that for most of us it's the lack of humility that most frequently stands in the way of us having the same attitude as Jesus Christ and walking like Jesus Christ right here and right now. I want you to listen again to those words that Paul wrote in Philippians. He said your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So think about it. How can we possibly be arrogant in our knowledge or our intelligence when Jesus Christ himself chose humility? Think about it. How can we possibly be arrogant in our position in life when the very Son of God chose humility? Think about it. How can we be possibly arrogant in our power when the one who raised the dead and calmed the seas chose humility. Think about it. How can we possibly be arrogant in our possessions when in humility Jesus Christ gave up his throne? And think about it. How can we possibly be arrogant in our seniority when Jesus, who has existed from the very beginning of time, chose humility? Humility. And how can we possibly be arrogant in our race or our gender or our nationality when Jesus in humility made himself nothing to become a servant of all mankind? See, we walk like Jesus by humbling ourselves like Jesus. And we do it right here and right now. And finally, we walk like Jesus right here and right now by serving others like Jesus served. Like Jesus served when he got down on his knees and washed feet. Like Jesus served when he walked to the cross and died for our sins. Think about it. How can we possibly decline to serve those that Jesus died to serve? See, we walk like Jesus by serving like Jesus. How do we look like Jesus right here and right now? It's not that complicated, but it's not that easy. See, we walk like Jesus and we look like Jesus when we love like Jesus loved. And we walk like Jesus and we look like Jesus when we obey like Jesus obeyed. And we walk like Jesus and we look like Jesus when we humble ourselves like Jesus humbled himself. And we walk like Jesus and we look like Jesus when we serve others like Jesus served us. And we walk like Jesus and we look like Jesus because of what he has done for us. And when we do that, when we walk like Jesus, when we look like Jesus, it's then that we bring Jesus Christ to all of those places where Jesus Christ takes us. And that's what new me living is really all about. We look like our master, we walk like our master, and we take our master with us wherever we go. Let's pray together. Father, humble us. Father, oftentimes we are so arrogant for so many different reasons, and Father, none of those reasons make any sense in the reflection of what Jesus did when he came to this earth and humbled himself when he died for our sins. So, Father, we ask that you humble us. Father, humble us so that we can serve those that Jesus served. Father, humble us so that we can love like Jesus loved. Humble us so we can obey like Jesus obeyed. Father, humble us so that we can serve others just like Jesus served us. Father, humble us so we can look and walk like Jesus. Humble us so we can take Jesus with us to all the places where Jesus is going to take us. And Father, we pray this through his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So as we end this morning, as we end this series, what I want us to do is I want us to stand up. You can go ahead and stand up now. We're going to sing a song. This song is an encouragement to each other. We're going to be singing to each other. We're going to be singing to God, and it's about humbling ourselves. So let's be people who humble ourselves and then watch as God lifts us up. Let's sing together.